0: Hello, friends. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for helping The Art of Fitness hit the top 200 in the fitness and nutrition category. Thank you very much. In just five short weeks, you've helped me do that. I really appreciate it. And as a token of my appreciation, I'm giving away a barbell. So go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com and click the photo link. You can't miss it. It's like the first thing you'll see. It's a shot of Rogue Echo Bar with, like, arrows pointing to it saying free. Just click on that, type in your name, type in your email, and I'm going to choose a lucky winner. Um, So I'll leave it up there for a little while to give everybody a chance to hear this. And thanks again, and good luck. I really appreciate it. I'm Steve Serbis, and this is The Art of Fitness. Hey everybody, welcome to The Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Service and today I'll be talking to Michelle Latonde. Michelle is a 31-year-old Olympic weightlifter currently prepping for the Pan Am Games. She is the head coach of DECA Comp, a competition program out of DECA CrossFit. Hailing from Montreal, Michelle is a former CrossFit athlete, having earned a spot at the CrossFit Games six times between 2011 and 2016 with her top finish being a fourth-place spot in 2014. She's also been both coach and athlete, representing Team Canada at the CrossFit Games Invitational. She's done a lot. Um, There's a depth to, to Michelle that I find refreshing. She has a clear sense of herself. She has a futurist sort of mindset. She studied fine art and is reconnecting with that passion. She's a huge foodie. She loves wine. She's just a pretty cool woman. Um, before we get into my conversation with Michelle, let's go to the question of the day. Can do randu, right? Is that real can do randu or is it like cando rando, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to call you can do. Can do writes, is heavy weightlifting beneficial to beginners? Well, yep and nope. It's beneficial if you're doing it properly. And if you understand that when you're starting out, all weights are heavy, especially the light ones. Um, it's not beneficial if you're going to the gym with some pals that uh, that know what they're doing. And you're trying to match their loads or even trying to get close to the poundages that they're lifting. What... What I'm trying to say here, Can do is yes, resistance training of any kind is beneficial to everyone for a, multiple, uh, uh, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but however, if, only if you're starting out by working in your load capacity and executing solid form. But if you're just starting out and you're struggling to lift shit up that's outside of your capability, you're only going to hurt yourself. Um, Or you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to create shit neural pathways for movement. So you shouldn't do that. What you should do is start with good movement execution. That should be primary. And uh, if you do that, the loads will come. Okay, things I'd like you to listen for in this episode. Women's issues and the future. The difference between training and working out, making big things as small as you can, how learning is living, and the single most important moment in Michelle's life. All right, let's listen to my conversation with Michelle Latonde.: Michelle. Steve. Hey, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for coming on The Art of Fitness. I'm I'm hearing a little something in your voice. Are you are you not you're not feeling well?
1: No, uh, unfortunately, I I um, hit with the stomach flu.
0: Oh <laughs> man! Oh, great. Well, thanks for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> if at any time you need to get off and take care of whatever you need to take care of with the stomach flu, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just let me know and and we'll take it out and post. Everything okay? is
1: under control, so we're good.
0: <laughs> All right, great. Listen, I'm just going to jump right in and and um, ask you about your retirement. So you're not, you're not competing in the CrossFit games this year. No. How did you come to that decision?
1: Um, it wasn't a difficult decision for me to take because, uh, I think I was at wit's end with the training and the lifestyle. Um, it's a 24 hour job and, uh, I really wanted to do more with, um, my life. Not that it's not that it's a bad thing at all. It's a very noble thing, but, um, I just I wasn't there anymore, and I was losing interest a little bit in the in the lifestyle, but I still love the sport um, I coach the sport i uh, follow um, I follow um, as much as I can um, but I just um after two thousand and fifteen I had a really rough year and uh I had originally told my boyfriend that I wanted to stop in two thousand fifteen and and he convinced me to give it another go, and uh, I wasn't 100% done. Um, but as I was training for 2016, I sustained a lot of little, little really annoying injuries. So it kind of confirmed um, that I really I needed to move on.
0: Mm-hmm. When you say you had a tough year in 15, was it that was that personal or was that physical?
1: It was a little bit of both. It was kind of. Um, at the games in two thousand and fifteen, I was expecting a lot about um, from myself, and uh, uh, competing at the games in two thousand and fifteen was pretty much like a slap in my face. So it was hard. It was a really hard pill to swallow. Going from fourth to, uh, I think that year I ended up eighteenth or something, and and I had given up so much that year, and I had um, I had given everything I had, and um, I was it was hard. It was. Um, emotionally difficult it was mentally draining Um, i was starting to see um that our me and my boyfriend's life was revolving around mine and i didn't like it so much so um it it was definitely an easier decision for me to take than maybe stopping because of an injury or anything like that but uh you know i do miss it at times but i'm glad i i'm glad i i don't do it anymore
0: it is all-encompassing you know you kind of fall out of balance. Did you experience that?
1: Um, I made it a point to have some balance, especially in my later years. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I took up, like in 2016, I took up a pottery class. Um, I made it a point to go out and have a drink every every week until a, you know about a certain time. Um, I went to see my family more often, but it definitely is... In the earlier years when you take things so seriously yeah it's very easy to lose track of that balance and and some people may argue that champions don't have balance but i think that um i think that's a good way to shorten the fuse
0: (laughs) yeah man yeah sure yeah you talk about dark moments when you were when you you know that um that people are may not be aware of the dark moments Mm that competitive athletes go through during training and competition. Can you share can you share one of them?
1: The dark moments for me are not so much training because everybody that does CrossFit on a competitive level, you know, we all love training yeah. and we all love the struggle and we all love failing because when you fail it means that you have a new goal. Yeah. It's like that's a that's a driven passion that comes just naturally to any high-level athlete. You don't have to teach anybody that.
0: I don't think you can. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: but uh, the dark moments for me are more like, um, it's, it's really, really silly. The, the dark moments are, are um, more outside of the gym where I'm not in my element. And uh, I was finding myself kind of alienated um, within my family, not being able to do everything. S- as silly as eating a piece of cake or drinking a glass of wine when I'm, I'm close to competing. Yeah. and uh, you're, it, Because your temper is just so like, well for me anyway, my, my temper was shorter and I was a little bit more impatient. It made life difficult. So those are more the dark moments for me. But 2016, my last year was way, way better because I just, you know, I stopped putting myself those limits. Um, and I uh, accepted that it may not be the best thing for for competing, but it was the best thing for me to s- still want to compete.
0: Yeah. And did you walk away happy?
1: I did. Um, I did. I would have loved a top 10 because I really did feel really fit in 2016. Yeah, I placed 16th. But I have to uh, admit that uh, with the season I had, with the amount of... Um, I had a back injury all 2016, so I think for like three or four months, I couldn't, I couldn't really touch a bar. And I was uh, on the bike and I was just, you know, doing miserable, just boring stuff. And um, <laughs> but when I competed, um, I was in a state of mind of kind of a acceptance. And um, I was in the right place. You know, I enjoyed the workouts. I remember the workouts. I, uh, I wasn't upset with myself at any point, even when I had a bad event. I, you know, I, was, I even got sick at the games when I arrived in LA that night. I, ca- I caught a really bad cold because of the air conditioning. Yeah. So it was tough. It was everything was kind of like stacking up against me, but I really enjoyed it because um, I, I just wasn't expecting so much out of myself in performance, but I was expecting to just live through the weekend um, as best I could. So I was really, really happy how, with how it ended. I wasn't happy about the training year but the mm-hmm. the way it ended was uh, I couldn't have asked for anything better.
0: Yeah, really accepting the moments and and participating in in your own accomplishment. <laughs> That's
1: Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. You get lost. Sure. Well, I mean, it's understandable. Um it, there's so many emotions in a competition especially when that lasts like uh, four or five days. Um but to remember everything and to be in the moment and to appreciate that um, knowing that it was your last time yeah it was a uh, it was really cool because I remember my first experience at the games all I, well what I remember is after an injury which uh, um, kind of I don't know if I would have went on to, to the last day of competing or not but after an injury it's that's when I realized where I was and what I was doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When I knew I was like, okay, I'm done,
2: right.
1: and um, I can't really move my arm up, so I'm just gonna enjoy where I'm at. And so it's uh, very easy to forget what you're doing and get caught up in little things.
0: I want to talk to you about this because um, I think it's very important, and I want to hear your I want to hear your words on the subject uh, about women's issues and women's body issues and. Mm and you recently um you recently posed nude with your yeah. barbell and uh for those of you who are listening these are very this isn't li- <laughs> this isn't like a hustler spread here <laughs> these these are these are very artistic nudes for mm-hmm. a purpose and um tell us a little bit about that project and and how you got involved in it
1: yeah um that project was um you know, women's issues is something I hold dear, and uh i'm I am a diehard feminist, and I'll do anything I can to support women's issues. But my dream one day is that that you know this doesn't exist. like body image, you know, male or female, shouldn't exist. It's so silly, but we're human, we're you know we're animals, and it's always going to be like that, so that's part of the that's you know that's an acceptance in itself, you know. You have to understand that you know not every woman is made the way I am and is made the way uh, games athletes are and that's okay and that's understandable that it sticks it it sticks out in a crowd and people will look but it goes it goes way beyond that for me it's it's way more than body image it's how people react to difference and and how people um, um, aren't aware of of their impacts in the world, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, the project was, um, launched because of Emily Abbott mm-hmm. who, um, posted uh, about a guy that uh, told her that she looked like a man because she was muscular.
0: Yeah. I read that. Emily yeah. was a guest on this show and this, yeah. know, this douchebag comment. about. Oh,
1: it was terrible. The worst part of his comment was that he didn't want a woman that looked like a man, but he wanted a woman that was strong, that was beautiful. And that was proud to be a woman. And it was just, it that sentence, was, enraging because, that's exactly what Emily is. That's exactly what um, I am. That's exactly what every woman in this planet is. You know, I used to be ashamed to be a girl when I was young. I wanted to be a boy. I was like, fuck, I'm gonna have, I'm not gonna have the same opportunities as guys. But that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but guys like that will always deter women. Um, even if it's like, oh, it's just a stupid guy, but it, the words are there and that thought process is there and it's still present. Yeah. But, um, when she posted that, um, a friend of mine who works, um, for the CFL actually, who is a photographer for the CFL, um, saw her post and she had been thinking for a long time to do a project like that. And, um, when she contacted me, Um, I agreed, it took a, you know, I want to say it, I agreed immediately, but my gut feeling was yes, but I, I, for a moment I had to think about what I was doing a little bit because I've always been, um, um, I've always prided, uh, pride myself on my Instagram account. That's, you know, it's clean. I don't post myself wearing no clothes. I don't post, you know, anything that's suggestive to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if this would hurt my image. And, um, then I realized that the exact reason I'm thinking about this is why I should do it.
2: Right.
1: So, um, I decided to get on board with her. She explained to me what the project was, A very artistic project, um, kind of like the bodies of, uh, uh what's that magazine? Um, uh, ESPN, I think. Mm-hmm. They do this, um, they do every year, they do an athletic uh, nude project
2: right.
1: in a publication. I can't remember what the name of it is, but uh, she wanted to do something like that, so uh, I uh, I agreed and um, uh, she, th- I wasn't the only person in the project, there was three other women, and uh, they each had different um, issues um, on a personal level, to why they agreed, one of them used to be an, an- anorexic; she had issues with anorexia. Um, another woman um, was in uh, was um, uh, her name is Cindy Willett, and she is um, pr- uh, not a paraplegic, but she's in a wheelchair um, following a, a cancer incident. And um, so, these women all had body image issues. Um, I never really had a body image issues, but I had a lot of issues of the f- the fact that I'm a woman in a man's world. Mm. Um, so when when we did this project, um, I felt like it gave me a voice that was bigger than just my sport. So I was really proud of it, and I got I got for the most part, it was an overwhelmingly positive experience. You know, there's always going to be some idiots out there that that, that uh, will say what they want, and that's fine. But uh, it was a great project, and I'm very happy and proud to have been a part of it.
0: Who's the artist?
1: Um, Joannie Jutra is the uh, photographer.
0: OK, I can't, I can't talk like you. I wish I could, but um, <laughs> you said, because of strong women like her who have a message to send, we can move forward as a unit in society. I want to thank every woman and man out there who have had their hand in allowing us, men and women, to really be who we are today. Although there is still work to be done, there's a lot of turmoil. We're far better off than we once were. You who have accomplished so much um, in your life, physically, um, who would make, again, I'm going to gender roles, who would make most men feel like complete weaklings with with the kind of shit that you're able to do. but yet, you still wake up, you may, and go outside, and still have this in the back of your mind. This is a privilege then have. Is we don't go out and think, oh, we're a man in a man's world. We, we don't, it, you know, it's not even on the fucking radar. Um, yeah. But but what is the ideal um, when you say there's still work to be done? If you could wake up in the morning and not have that what that feeling of being a woman in this world where there are glass ceilings and salary discrepancies there are a a multitude of things
1: we are we definitely are better off than we once were and uh just as an example um i switched to coaching uh this year and i i coach at my gym and i also coach competitive athletes i decided to start a competitive program and um one of the one of the most encouraging signs of our time right now is that most of the people who reached out to me to coach them are men, hmm. younger and older than me. So that's extremely encouraging that they would have faith in, um, in me. Um, yes, I mean, I have experience, but there's still that, that idea that I'm, I'm a woman and, and uh, that, that difference can mean a lot. And I'm, and I, and I'm not one to, to argue that it's not true. I mean, women don't lift the same weights as men, we do not have the same physical capacities as men, and I'm going to say that because it's just a question of weight, <laughs> it's a question of hormones. I mean, mm-hmm. we are without a doubt different, but uh, the fact that they trust me and that they trust my judgment and uh, my experience like that shows me that that uh, men today are are seeing women as an, a non the difference of men and women as a non-issue and that's the ideal for me. Um, my sex should not be the reason why I'm I'm popular and successful. It's not because I'm a woman that I'm performing that I should have more glory.
2: Mm.
1: It's, it's just because I have done what I have done. So my actions speak for themselves without the fact that I'm a woman or not. I was listening to a show not long ago where a gay man was talking about um, how the fact that he's sleeping with a man should have no impact on his personality. And he was discussing the issue of, um, because he's gay, he refuses to be a, how do you say in English? He refuses to be a, um, a in French, (laughs) Um, um, a personality for gay rights because he says, you know, his argument is, you know, who I sleep with should not dictate what I do for a living. You know, I want to be a, he was a, he's a radio um, host, said, so I want to be a radio host. I don't want to be um, a person who, who defends gay rights. That's not what I want to, I want to do. Right. So as a woman, my ideal would be, being a woman doesn't necessarily mean that I want to fight for women's rights because it's a non-issue. That's right. the ideal. It's going to be a non-issue one day. You know, we're going to be people and we're going to be identified as Michelle or Steve or Fred or whatever. And, and uh, you know what they're good at, and and that's gonna be um, that's gonna be our 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 life. That's that's the ideal. Now, I think that I think that there are there is a lot to say though about how the perception the the perspective of a woman changes things a lot. So I don't you know it's it's such a sensitive issue because yes i want women to have i want women's issues to be a non-issue anymore but um the fact that women have issues brings debate and discussion and moves people forward and brings different points of views and and that's what we need you know we just don't need um discrimination and we don't need um you know categorizations and um priorities based on those issues.
0: Mm. Good words.
1: You know, I love that CrossFit has women working wi- alongside men, but um, the double standard within the CrossFit sport is more with um, appearance and than anything else, you know? Athletic women are idolized for their bodies right. a lot, more than men, I find. Mm. So when we, when we talk about women who are performing I heard this when I was watching, I was re-watching my regionals last year um, and I was listening to a woman commentating, saying how Katrin Davis' daughter looked so fit and she looked like she was ready and blah, blah. No one says that about guys. Yeah. No one says they look ready about guys. Like, no one talks about their physique when they're commentating their, their, what they're doing. Yeah. I, it's, not, it's not as bad um, as I'm saying it, but it's still there, you know, sponsorships, like, I mean, I have, I have uh, very good sponsors that, um, that treat me well. And that, uh, I feel like I can work with, I feel like it's more of a partnership, but then I look at some athletes that have not accomplished half of what I've accomplished, have bigger sponsorships than me because they have just, they just have a bigger Instagram following, not because of what they're doing,
0: but because of how they're looking.
1: Because, yeah, but but then who am I to judge that? Right, and that's another issue. If a woman wants to do that, then she has the right to do that.
0: Right, and this goes back to what you were saying. Like everybody needs to do their own thing.
1: Exactly. And have you
0: been following uh, USA women's hockey?
1: I have not been following it, but I heard what they did. What they uh, what they did, and I and uh, I commend them for it. it's great. It's um, you know, it's 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 it's. I am very lucky to have been in a sport where that's a non issue the right. money prize everything is the same, but if you dedicate your life to something and something like that eats away at your passion it's unfair
0: yeah man it totally it's so unfair but i mean there's a lot of shit that's unfair and and it's they're all coming from men all, yeah. all you know all of these issues with women 's issues you know are coming from men emma um, watson the 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 young yes. lady who plays. Hermione Granger just this week was like, you know, she's an outspoken feminist and, you know, good for her. A high five to her. But then she like wore this thing on the red carpet where, you know, it was like a half shirt. And then, you know, some fucking jerk is saying, well, hey, you know, you can't have it both ways. You can't look cute and be a feminist. It's like, who, <laughs> who the hell are you to judge? Some dude yeah. is saying this. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 too bad. But um. I understand. I, I understand why women get paid less in sport. And, it, and I understand that um, some women's sports will not make as much because of spectators. That's, right. it's, that's a logical explanation. What's an unlogical explanation is that women's tennis, is, it's not the case. Women's tennis attracts as many spectators as men's. Right. And I and think the
0: same is true of CrossFit as well. Yeah. Cro- CrossFit women. I think you know. I've always said that the women—not to take anything away from the guys. I mean, they're they're crazy, but uh, it's it's to me the women are much much more impressive. <laughs>
1: well, I think that uh, um, I I do think that you're right in the sense that their capacities, based on their body weights and and uh, their abilities, is amazing. Yeah. There's there's a there's something to be said about that in CrossFit for sure. Um, but i I, th- I still think it's impressive either or because I mean because I know what what the amount of work is, guy or girl, I know what it is yeah, <laughs> but um you know it's 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 a sensitive issue for sure. I, I definitely think that there can be there can be issues that can be aided or done better with s- some funding, you know mm. some male sport can fund some women's sport, mm. y- you know like that's an idea. Yeah, it's, but, but unfortunately, you know, in our, in our, how do I say this, in our um, uh, capitalist society, it didn't work like that. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. But uh, definitely uh, women's issues, I mean, from a Canadian perspective, I see it as moving better and better. And it's not an insult to the American population, but um, during the race, the presidential race, I was quite worried
0: well uh, some appalling shit had gone down during that race
1: yeah it was um you know it's people can have whatever they they want in their lives like they can think whatever they want and but um anyway it was it was scary it was scary
0: yeah definitely and uh you know it's hard to segue out of this conversation but i'm i'm i really want to touch on this as well as you're an artist right
1: I am I well I was, I am trying to be.
0: <laughs> so so when were you an artist and and did the training overshadow that?
1: Um I um studied in fine arts. So in Quebec we have this thing called Cégep which is kind of like middle school for you but after high school. Okay. So we don't have middle school here. All right. We go from elementary school to high school and then after high school we have Cégep which is either a pre-university degree or um, a professional degree. So I went into Sejip in fine arts. Not sure what I wanted to do, but I was drawing all the time in high school. So I figured I, if I have the choice, I'm going to do something that I want to do. And then uh, after my fine arts degree in Sejep, uh, I went into the university, uh, I went out to study design at uh, Concordia University, so that's that's my background. Yeah. Now, I didn't want to be an artist, so to speak, because I felt like um, it was a little bit too noisy of a field, there's a lot of talking, but not, not a lot of doing. Okay. And what I really loved about design was that it was a creative outlet, but it was also a very practical and very impactful way of being creative. Mm. So that's how um, I went into design. And I specialized in object design. So I worked with, um, m- my specialty near the end of my degree was uh, lighting. So I did a lot of uh, work with LED lighting, interactive lighting, um, and stuff like that. So that's that's my actual schooling background.
0: Cool, and and are you doing any of that now?
1: I just started taking a drawing class again. That's awesome. Um, and uh, last year I took a pottery class. and. I'm trying to, I mean, I'm submerged in the world of CrossFit. That's what I do, you know, about 22 hours out of the day. But um, I, I reserve a little block during my week where I just, I go and I draw, which I, I absolutely love. And my goal with that is to start oil painting because I've never done that. So that would be my goal.
0: Here's a million dollar idea for you that you can take that money and fund whatever kind of uh, support system for female athletes. But you should do a series of drawings and or paintings and or sculpture that has something to do with the feminine power and i'm sure that people would buy these i've fucking put me on the list man maybe i 'll commission one
1: <laughs> i I actually enjoy i I've always wanted to um, I've always wanted to sell artwork but uh, I actually really like to use it as a, almost like a diary. Yeah. So, uh, but that's a good idea. I've always, yeah, it, you know, it could be a project in the long run.
0: All right, Michelle, are you ready to do this questionnaire? Yes, I am. Okay, awesome. We're gonna jump right in with section one, the physical. How many meals do you consume in a day?
1: Um, three. three. Uh, no, meal, me, uh, like four, four.
0: Four, four meals.
1: Well, three meals, one snack.
0: All right, great. In percentages of fats, proteins, carbohydrate, what's your macronutrient breakdown for me?
1: Um, I can tell you that in a second. Oh, my dog's just walked in. Um, I have my fitness pal, I can tell me that. Great. Um, I believe I'm on the zone prescription.
0: 40-30-30?
1: Yeah, uh, actually, you know what? No, that's not true. I'm on, uh, maybe I am. Let me check. <laughs> i i i um right now i'm on a different plan than i used to be
0: right you're you're doing strict weightlifting now right
1: yeah so i'm on a caloric plan more than i am on a macro plan because uh i'm not looking to optimize that much my performance just sure. a little bit of recovery gotcha so here my macronutrient goals i am on a 40 33 30. Yep, yeah, that's right
0: all right you have four meals three meals one snack does that change Around your training schedule?
1: Not not anymore. Not anymore. I train. I do train um, to keep my body weight in check um, for Olympic lifting. I train. Um, how do you say that in English? Um, I don't eat before I train.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Um, um, so I train at 6 a.m. And um, I'll fasted. train for about an hour and a half or so, two hours sometimes. And then I'll eat. And then the rest of the day is just, when I'm hungry, I eat.
0: Gotcha, and uh, how how many times a day do you train, or is it just that 6 a.m.? Just once,
1: just once. I am, uh, on occasion, if I feel, if I feel like it, because it's fun, uh, I might train twice, Um, but um, to be honest with you, I don't call it training anymore. I'll train once, and I'll work out maybe once, another time, yeah.
0: What's the difference between training and working out?
1: Um, Well, training has to do with a goal, right? I'm training to go to the championships, the Canadian championships. So I have specific goals of weight lifted, specific goals of movements and stuff like that. And um, training involves things that aren't fun, (laughs) you know, things that you don't want to do. And working out is to me like a group class, you know, just doing a a workout because you want to move and because you want to express yourself physically and that's, that's it.
0: Section two, uh, the mind, the mental. How would you describe your state of mind while training?
1: Um, um, I have a, I, I believe I have a very different approach than other athletes compared to, I, I can compare myself to Katrin a lot because we trained together for a while. Mm-hmm. But um, I like to keep things light i'm not a I'm not a big motivational driven athlete okay. um, i I have a state of mind that I have to get this done and uh I get into the zone naturally once my workout starts um, but I don't have a very aggressive mindset when it comes to working out hmm. so sometimes sometimes when I'm about to try a a, a high percentage lift i'll I'll get more aggressive, you know. I'll I'll punch my foot down and and slap my legs and try and get myself, you know, angry. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, I'm pretty relaxed and I keep quiet.
0: If you could liken your mental state in competition to a type yeah. of organic or inorganic substance, what would it be and why?
1: Organic or inorganic substance? Yeah. That's a good question.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you could liken your mental state to a type of organic or anything. So you mean I would associate it to, to something?
0: Yeah, anything. You know? In competition, my mental state is like that of blank.
1: Well, in so I'll so in CrossFit, when I compete in CrossFit, my mental, my mental, um, my, own, my mental state is like that of, uh, someone who, you know, someone who has work to do mm-hmm. just Solid. not making, you know, m- taking it as making an event as little as I can make it, you know, mm-hmm. not making it into a big thing.
0: Minimizing. Yeah. Why did you do that
1: um because I don't do well when when um when when things become big i um i doubt myself hmm. and uh when when uh, things become too important, I doubt myself, so I make it as small as i can
2: that's a great my, strategy. my
1: confidence is is better when I downsize what i'm doing, so Not, I would often tell myself that it was just a silly workout.
0: Just I, knock would it off its it, I would dumb it
1: down as much as I could. <laughs> it's
0: great. Imagine this scenario. You're holding a baby in your right arm and a cooler holding a vital organ to be delivered to a loved one in need in your left. You come to a canyon. The only way across this canyon, canyon is via zip line, which requires one of your hands to hold on with. What do you put down and what do you take with you? The baby or the organ?
1: Is it my baby?
0: Mm, I don't know. Is it?
1: Um, I'm gonna go with the loved one because because uh, I am a, not in a baby state of mind.
0: <laughs> so you'd leave the baby. Okay, great. You're just gonna deliver the vital organ to a loved one and leave this baby. Well, on what's the, the risk?
1: What's what's the percentage of of success with the vital organ?
0: Man, you have all these questions and I don't have the answers to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a
1: difficult question for sure. I think. Um,
0: Let's say a 40% chance that, that the organ transplant will, will take.
1: Will take. And, and uh, it's a family member, but I can choose which family member.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So I'll take the baby.
0: <laughs> you changed it. <laughs> <that. No. laughs>
1: it's difficult. You're putting me in a tough spot, you know.
0: Yeah, I do. As, <laughs> as a
1: woman. <laughs> oh, right, right. Okay. My maternal instincts I gotcha. tell me that I should save the baby, but
0: All right. A news broadcast just reports that the Earth is going to be struck by an asteroid the size of our moon. Officials have known about it for some time, but we're just finding out. And the asteroid's going to hit within twenty four hours. It'll mean a certain end for our planet. There's no way around it. How do you spend your last twenty four hours?
1: Um, I go to the best restaurant in my city with, with my boyfriend um, and my entire family. And uh, we eat and uh, we enjoy this, you know, conversation. Mm. Food and wine and family.
0: Great. Great trio. This, yeah. is, this is a two-part question. When is it essential to lie and when is it deplorable to tell the truth?
1: When it is essential to lie, it is to protect something that could affect a person negatively for no reason, Great. for no real impactful reason, for something that they, can't, they really can't control and that you can't control. Yeah. And uh, when it is deplorable to tell the truth is obviously when that truth will for no reason affect the person you're telling it to
0: who in history real or fictional would you describe as resilient
1: my mom my mom
0: why 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 your mom
1: uh because my mom um my mom had uh she didn't have a rough childhood but she my mom my mom had um had a difficult up- bringing, I think, but not not difficult in the the poorness or anything like that. Um, I think my mom and my grandmother didn't get along all the time. And uh, my mom had uh, my older sister when she was 22 during university. Um, And uh, she had us when she was 25. And then after us going into school, went back to work, started off as a fitness instructor and moved her way up to a uh, program. I, I'm not exactly sure what her title is now, but she is so strong and she's so kind and she is so, um, you know, reasonable and she's so smart. And uh, I, uh, I really admire her.
0: Section number three, the emotions. What is your idea of perfect happiness?
1: Um, I think perfect happiness would be a combination of being happy, uh, with, with where you are as a person, um, with who you're surrounded with and, uh, with, uh, what you're doing, you know, uh, uh, is just being at peace with, with everything, accepting, accepting, uh, your, your down, your, your negative parts, your, your weaknesses and, um, for you know just for what they are and and trying to work at them and and um just yeah t- you know t- i guess it's the same answer that everyone would would say um you i i uh, don't wanna associate financial um security with happiness, but that's you know that's part of it because it's one less stress, but I definitely think that uh Uh, Being happy with uh, who you are as a person and and who you're surrounded by is really important.
0: There's that word again, acceptance. And, um, you know, I think you'd be surprised at how many people wouldn't say that. And and acceptance is happiness for you. It says a lot about who you are and why you achieve things. Um, What is the opposite of fear, Michelle?
1: You're going to laugh at me. No, I won't. (laughs) Acceptance. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Um, The opposite of fear would be be open-mindedness, I'd say. Mm.
0: Finish this sentence for me. Love is...
1: Love is wanting to give part of... any part of you to make someone else feel happy and love and, and, and good.
0: Great. What recurring trait do you notice about yourself that makes you angry?
1: I'm impatient.
0: You're impatient. I'm
1: hard on myself and I'm hard on others.
0: When do you experience sadness?
1: Um, I experience sadness when uh, I, when, when others do experience pain, experience sadness.
0: You're an empath. Yeah. Tell us about the last time you were genuinely surprised.
1: Yesterday. <laughs> what happened? I was genuinely surprised because I, I pr my back squat um, for three reps, and I was very surprised by the, the weight.
0: W- what was the weight? Uh,
1: 305. I was genuinely surprised. I didn't think I could, I could get that congrats thank you
0: (laughs) what word or action incites a feeling of disgust in you word or action
1: when people have the opportunity to do something and neglect that opportunity Mm. and it's i guess it's disgust is maybe a strong word but um you know everyone has a responsibility towards themselves to make themselves happy and to move on in life and when when I see people throwing things away um, because it's too much work or because it's there's not enough in it for them and i th- I find that disgusting
0: section four the spirit what is your definition of the spirit the spirit yeah
1: um well, um, I'm, you know, um, I'm not a very religious person. In fact, I'm not at all. So, to me, the spirit is, the spirit of human is is, is life. You know, it's that energy that, that is within, us all, as they say. But uh, I see it more as a energy and, and solely that than anything
0: what happens to us when our bodies die
1: my honest truth truthful answer is that it rots Mm -hmm. and um the body rots and and that's that's the end of that
0: (laughs) (laughs) name one event in your life that you could most closely describe as a miracle
1: well i can talk to you about something that i Experience and I wouldn't call it a miracle. I would call it more um, an awakening. Okay. Is um, in in Sejep, as I explained in in uh, in Quebec, we have Sejep, which is a, a school between a high school and university, and we have philosophy classes that are imposed in, in those in those years. And uh, I read a book uh, by a philosopher called Franco Ferrucci and um he he explained that uh you know we're all here um i'm going to spark a huge debate i know this but uh, we're all here for one thing and one thing only and that is to learn so that uh, the human species the human kind can evolve um and move on forward because life what what life wants is to survive you know um, anybody who is faced with death has the immediate reaction of, of wishing they could survive, whatever, whatever, whatever the case is, whatever the action is. And uh, animals, when you try to hunt them or whatever, they have defense mechanisms. Every defense mechanisms exist because life wants to live and. Um, and he he wrote that uh, that's the reason we are here is to live and to learn so that others may live better and longer. And uh, that was a a big um, realization in my life when you realize how lucky that we are here because we are it is in my opinion complete um, ha- uh, azar. Uh, what's that in English? Um, azar is uh, we're here by luck you know it's um i don't um and um when you realize that things become so beautiful because he he reused the example of a flower so he said why is the flower there and i'm always going to remember this because we had a really long discussion about this in, in in the class and in the book he talks about a flower and, and he asks why the flower is there and my teacher then asked us why the flower is there and everyone explained how it got there but no one explained why it, it was there and when you come to the realization that there's no real explanation as to why the flower is there you become, you feel very lucky to be here. Yeah. So things aren't taken for granted. And, and um then you become a sponge because since then I've 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 tried to learn as much as I could from from any possible situation I I have been so that's um that's to me that's probably one of the single most important moments in 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 my personal life
0: wow yeah Mur- that's pretty miraculous moment <laughs> What do you feel most connected with creation?
1: Uh, creation. In the traditional sense?
0: Dude, we already know you're an atheist, so. <laughs> In your sense? In your sense?
1: Um, I think that um, any contact with people, like meaningful contact, you know, when, when me and my, my boyfriend are together and we, we are, you know, just chilling on the couch and. We're enjoying each other's presence. For me, that's, 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 um, you know, that's uh, one of the privileges we have as we live, is we get to love and we get to, to share time with people that we love. And you know, when we travel, when we experience um, other cultures, and um, those to me are, are, are very reconnecting moments in my life.
0: What is the thing? that is the closest resemblance to absolute truth for you?
1: I think the love between a mother and um, a a baby. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the most, um, probably one of the most true moments that I haven't lived yet, but uh, to me it seems about right. My twin just had a baby and, and, uh, you know seeing her with her baby at the hospital was uh was pretty cool. Yeah.
0: All right, Michelle, this is the this is the why for you. <laughs> why? Why do you feel you were put on this earth?
1: Well, I mean the um you know the 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 my my belief is very very material in the sense that I don't. I don't believe that God put us on this earth. I. I really believe that uh, we are. We are somewhat of a of a lucky accident, and um, we've evolved into what we've evolved. Um, But uh, I definitely. I that doesn't mean to say that I don't feel like there's any meaning, because like I explained earlier, I really do believe that um, what I'm gonna do here is is gonna be. You know, try to learn as much as I can. Try to love as much as I can. Try to, um, you know, leave as much as as an impact as I possibly can within my within my community and um, and be a an, an agent for positive positive change. And um, that's that's why I that's why I wanted to become a designer. That's why I choose to coach now after being an athlete. Um, you know, I want to give back to people and, and help people live better lives and, and hopefully help them achieve goals and, and just stuff like that.
0: Hmm. Michelle, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, well, that's, thank you. No, th- that's our questionnaire. I'll tell you that uh, you came on, you feel like shit, you have some star- kind of stomach flu, and you <laughs> gave us. You gave us a golden, golden episode here that's just chock full of a lot of things to think about and a lot of things to appreciate you for. So thanks again for coming on. And, well, uh,
1: the pleasure is mine, Steve. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, dude. But before you go, couple of things. How, how can we connect with you um, on the Internet, on, you know, whatever you do? What's the best way to get in contact with you if they want to follow up, perhaps... Commission a painting or a drawing? <laughs> of yours.
1: Well, I have um, a Facebook page. Um, Michelle Letendre is my athlete Facebook page. Um, I also run the DECA Comp Facebook page uh, for my new programming. So if anyone has questions more in line with, with CrossFit, I can answer them through that page. Um, my Instagram account is very active as well, and and I, I do my best to answer anybody's questions or comments um, on my Instagram account. I think my handle is Letang, but I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Do you have, I know that you're, you're, I don't know if you just launched this program, but you're doing comp training. Is there, is there anything coming up that we should check out? Anything else that we should know that's important to you right now?
1: Well, right now I'm getting ready, uh, getting some athletes ready for uh, regionals. So if they want to follow those athletes, um, I have Pat Vellner that I'm working with, and I'm working with Caroline Thibault as well, mm-hmm. and a few other regional athletes in the Canada East, well, in the East regionals. So they can follow that um, progress through the DECACOMP page, or I even have a DECACOMP Instagram account that they can follow. Um, if ever they have any questions regarding the programming, if they want to sign up, they can go to DECACOMP.com, and there's um, contact information on that web page.
0: Fantastic. And before you go, you gave us so much to think about, but I'm just going to give you one more opportunity to give us some parting words, something that you could plant inside of the brains of our listeners, a piece of uh, inspiration.
1: Inspiration, well, live life simply, you know, enjoy what you do, enjoy the people you do it with and do things for the right reasons, pretty much, is what I have to say.
0: Mm. Michelle, it's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you for having me.
0: Michelle Letendre prefers to be defined by her actions. She sees existence as a means to learn. She gladly shares her points of view, respects others in kind, and uses the lessons she's acquired to be a positive agent for change. She is a creator and isn't restricted by medium or arena. This is why I feel Michelle Latonde is an artist. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Fitness. If you did, please subscribe, write a review. Also, go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com, scroll down, and do all of your Amazon shopping through the Art of Fitness portal. It would really help support. Thanks a lot.